Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to InfoWars. Chemtrails are real. The lady is putting things in our water and putting it in the clouds and it's going all over and brainwashing everyone. I'm Alex Jones and this is the Killjoys After Show. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Welcome to the Killjoys After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. I'm actually not Alex Jones, if you didn't know that. But chemtrails are confirmed and real. And the lady is using chemtrails to brainwash everybody. And it's insane. We have Noosey. We have humans' resilience is hope. We have things about stirring shit. You know, you're still in shit. And... I just wonder if I fear the lady with Garrett more than I fear Cindy. We have so much to talk about. This is a great episode. We're talking season five, episode four, Ship Out of Luck. And we're not Ship Out of Luck here because I have a great host with me because obviously I'm Stephen Lemieux, but I can't do it alone. I have sci-fi expert extraordinaire Cherry Davis in studio here today. Love all of you, and I love this episode. Fun times. So fun. And I'm excited. I'm excited that we're not bouncing around anymore. I'm excited that we've had an episode where we we don't end up like being captured, then rescued, then captured, then rescued, <laughs> then shifted somewhere else. But now we're going to end it in the same place so we can put down some roots because the roots grew. And I want to know what your overall thoughts are because the roots are growing. They're trapped. Trapped like rats. In a maze. But are they trapped? They're rats by choice and amazed of their own. And I think they're plotting and scheming to take over the prison. I think they're going to be doing a lot of talking and planning. Because there's some awkward conversations between our two brothers, our beloved Dutch, and of course the other prisoners. So, oh, keep going. You good? I got blown away by the assassin. I'm not going to say anything more. But she blew my mind. We can talk about her in a bit. Okay? She trying to kill Sparlow, my main homie Sparlow. Oh, he's my not oh he's not my homie. I don't think she's not coming back. I think the assassin's coming back. My overall <laughs> thoughts on the episode, guys, I thought it was phenomenal. I made sure to write down the names of the actors because obviously Corin Jeers, we've seen him from Bangarang, uh, episode in season one, and then a second episode in season one as well. They bring him back for the finale season. But we get introduced to Rachel Ankerl playing the warden, and we're also introduced to Sparlow, who's played by Elaine Goulam, which uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's it's French Canadian, so I'm Elaine Goulam. Bonjour, um, First of all, great choice for Sparlow. Has a really great like Vincent D'Onofrio Fisk energy to yes. him. Great choice for the warden. She's exactly the hard ass you'd want in a show. I can tell that it was like a very, uh, very. Killjoy's casting. I love badass bitches, and she is a badass bitch and fashionable. Obviously, everyone's favorite line of the episode has to be, I love when men explain things to me. <laughs> Just so straightforward to it. Mansplaining! Let me explain what's really going on here. Oh, please. 
I love it. Even in the future, they're still doing it, Steven! Hey, mansplaining is forever. (laughs) (laughs) Steph's going to turn that into a button in the booth. Uh, We have a lot to go over, but I thought this episode was really strong. I was excited that some of my predictions came true. I was excited that some of them didn't. Um, Obviously, we see that Zeph is bringing back the wokeness on Westerly, which I thought would happen. And then Lucy is back in some way which we will also get into a little bit later in the episode. I'll have to just make sure that I write that down so we don't forget to... Never sleep on Lucy and Johnny. We can't sleep on Lucy because Tamsin McDonough, who plays the voice of Lucy, uh, we're trying to get her on the line right now. She might be joining us for this show. So it's it's, it's great. And I'm glad that they found a way to include her on the show after killing her character last last episode. And if you didn't notice... It was Lucy who said, previously on Killjoys, this episode, which I thought was a really great nod to the character. So let's go ahead and start the episode off. I'm going to tell you how we're going to break it down, y'all. We're going to break it down with Escape from Supermax, where we go through Johnny, Davin, and Dutch. Basically, the Escape from Alcatraz storyline they created. The Warden's Proposal. Which, this is the warden bringing Andy Dufresne into the office and saying, do my taxes. Uh, The character touch points on how they've interacted on this episode to see how they've kind of progressing on these storylines that we're still avoiding. We're really avoiding this this Dutch Johnny thing. It's building up. Uh, And then we have our Stay Work segment where we're going to talk about uh, everyone on Westerly and then go into what the plan that they're executing on Westerly is. And finally, the lady who... Cannot control her emotions yet. She's just mm-hmm. learning. And I have an interesting conversation. I want you guys to think about this when we get towards our predictions. I want you to think about this question. What are your thoughts on how they're weakening a powerful female villain with emotions? I, we're going to have the conversation later, but you in the chat. I'm curious because this has been a very... Uh, like a feminist forward show. And I just thought it was an interesting choice to have the weakness of the lady be her own emotions. So have that in the back of your mind as we discuss. Let's go ahead and get into the escape from Supermax. Did this go down the way you thought it was going to go down? Nobody ever expects a spoon, but hey, the spoon worked. And I loved how Johnny was trying to like inch his way into like an easy, cushy job when she's like, nah. You're doing laundry. And he's like, well, you can't keep a Johnny down. And he used laundry to, like, move about the building. I mean, he caused the, he got the um, security guard's armband thing by insinuating the other guy was trying to, like, pick a fight and push him. I was like, you know what? That's why you're my man, Johnny. It was a great escape plan. Do you think that the warden did that as a favor, though? Because we learned that she's not actually trying to kill them. Like, Johnny representing his talents and stuff like that. You know, there's much worse jobs than laundry. (laughs) He could have been picking up poo. Well, I think she was testing to see exactly how useful they might be because she did know there was an assassination attempt coming around the bend and her guards are scared to deal with Mr. Scary Pants. Well, let me ask you then, based on that, that statement, do you believe that the warden put this out as a test for them to see if they would get out? I think she did it as a test to see if she'd be able to use them as her inside man and woman amongst the prison um, populace. Because they kept saying how they're killjoys. She kind of believed they were killjoys. She wasn't sure. She knew they were important because there was a hit on all three of them before they even stepped foot on the ship. And she wanted to see if they could be useful for her. Because they are st- stuck on a ship. And it looks like 
they're just on the ship. They're not going back on the land or anything like that. See, I disagree, and this is why I'm going to tell you why I disagree. Are you mansplaining me, Stephen? Yeah, you love it when men explain <laughs> things to you, right? Uh, what? I don't think she believed them for a second. Because you have three different stories. Dutch was thrown in solitary confinement immediately and was just shouting to herself and listening to a voice from the other room. Johnny basically doesn't even go into the history of anything aside from the fact that he steals ships for a living and he's a great thief of the quad. And Davin's the one that is basically recapping, recapping the entire storyline that... When you say it, sounds completely insane. Uh, you know, the Holland, they're aliens, but they're not, like, not really aliens, but they're computers and, like, this and that. And he just sounds completely incoherent. And they're in for completely different uh, crimes. Because we didn't have the warden interrogating Dutch, we got the Dutch interrogation, or rather her crimes that she's arrested for through the scanner. And it's just like, what'd you get arrested for? Breaking hearts? <laughs> Yelena Yardine, arresting for assassination, infanticide, Head to side, like all these different murder things. I loved it. So good. Badass bitch. I thought it was a really, really cool decision, uh, but I don't think the warden knew who they were, and I think we got some really great information that is going to play into later episodes. They're on a ship, obviously. Johnny, the whole escape, Johnny thinks they're not on a ship. They're on a ship. Johnny gets the spoon. We've all seen how the escape happens. Davin's in the medical facility, doesn't want to get shocked, and then Dutch has her crazy guy next to him, the Joker, basically. (laughs) But what we find out from Zeph later in the episode is everyone in the quad would know about the terraforming. You can see it from space. So that's to say the warden would definitely know that something weird's going on on Westerly. So whether she believed them or not, We learned this episode that people outside of Westerly can see that something's going on and don't care. Mm -hmm. And we also learned that nobody outside of Westerly is getting the showers and getting their memory banks wiped. It almost feels like the lady is sort of saying, if you let me have this planet, I'll leave the rest of you alone. And since no one over the past five years has ever really cared about Westerly, unless there's something in it for them, that's pretty much par for the course. Um... Paul M. Paul P. Man Howland in the chat was saying the lady's weakness is not just her emotion. She also doesn't know how to deploy her forces. She had like two guards on fifty of the Kim Trail ships. I'd also have to agree that she's also a child in this one. She's not an adult woman. To me, looking at the young woman playing her, she looks like she's an older teen. Yeah, but you can't. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep oh going. no, that's okay. Mansplaining. Thank you. <laughs> Steph's in the booth laughing, I assure you. Um, but I don't think we can judge her by those standards of her looks. Mm-hmm. Because, again, the lady has been around for, hypothetically, millions of years. Mm-hmm. And she has all of the knowledge in the universe at her fingertips, except for now she was removed from whatever she can't remember. But so also, the emotions are the only outlier that has changed her. But I think when she got downloaded into our world after she got out of the green, I don't think she's at 100%. I think she's more like 70 or 60%. We're jumping ahead. So let's oh. let's save our lady talk for later. No. But uh, I love the spoon. I love that they got him out. I thought it was, again, a super easy escape. But I'm glad that they threw the wrench in it at the end with them being in space. And I'm also glad that we stayed on the ship in the end because... I'm sick of easy escapes. I want some hardship. I want the characters to go through some hardship together. Uh, moving on to the warden's proposal. Obviously, the lady paid her a lot of money to keep one alive. Uh, what do you think is the warden's game plan now? With Now that they turned down the favor for G-Wing. 
I think she's going to figure out how is best to use them. But I think the lady also putting them there, that was at the bequest of Kylan. And so... Klein. Klein. Damn it. Darn it. Um, His name's spelled weird. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Klein. So I think that um, he had a reason for that, and it's for them to escape. But of course, his core plan is to make sure that Dutch escapes. And I think that the warden may either know Klein somehow, or she's not a dirty cop warden person. She seems like she has her own little rules, which are kind of arbitrary, but they're rules, and she compromises to make sure everything's running smoothly. So this is an interesting point you bring up with the warden, right? Because right now, we're looking at a ship that Dutch and them want to take over. (laughs) And the way to take over it is to deal with the socio-political aspects of what's on the ship. And what's on the ship are the guards that are controlled by uh, controlled by the warden and the prisoners which are controlled by Sparlow. Yes. And the warden is obviously kind of on Sparlow's side because maybe she doesn't want the chaos of what a power struggle will bring if Sparlow dies. So she wants to prevent this assassination from happening. So, to not to go into predictions, but to think about it for predictions, is faced with a truth and a reality that they might be receiving from a transmission from the ships that turns on or something like that, faced with the reality of the truth, possibly the Warden and Sparlow can become the new army for Dutch. That's Willingly. what I'm thinking. And also, the devil you know in Sparlow versus the devil she didn't know who was behind the assassin. Because Sparlow is bad, but he also isn't trying to take over the ship, and he's fine with his little fiefdom. Mm-hmm. But someone else might take over and say, I want the entire ship, and try and overthrow and kill and murder all the guards. Well, we learned that Calvert was under the paid task by uh, Corin Jeep, right? Sorry, yes. can't remember. Corin Jeers. Jeers! Uh, so Corin Jeers was basically tasking Calvert to do this, but I'm curious why Calvert would. Maybe it was just if he took over, he would give her a higher position. We don't really learn too much about the reasoning behind her betrayal of Sparlow. I thought he was paying her somehow, either paying her in favor or paying her saying you'll be in second command or whatever now. Um, and also, like he told Dutch when he was in the other room beside her, in solitary confinement, you have a lot of time to think. And he was thinking. He was thinking about his hatred of the Killjoys and how he wanted to get to the Killjoys. Well, if you're on the prison ship, there are no Killjoys to get to. So obviously he needs to get out and get the Killjoys. So I think that was part of his reasoning for wanting to take over because Calvert is fine with prison. You know, he, he he's king of the... Sorry, Sparlow is Sparlow. fine. Yeah. Sparlow is fine with prison because he's king of the ward. And who knows what would happen if he wasn't there. He probably would be a small fish in another pond with other drug monsters, horrible people. So, Ivan Soto says, I thought Calvert was working for a bigger fish, not just Jeers, a small fish. And that's an interesting point you make because we have another episode in this prison system. And if it's not going to be just Dutch rallying cry and getting everyone on their side, there could be more of a power play here. And Calvert did give away that name pretty easily. Yes. So, if it wasn't Corin Jeers, who was it? 
I don't know. Maybe it was... A character we haven't been introduced to yet. You're absolutely right, Cherry. <laughs> that was a really great prediction. I'm always right. I still think Klein is up to something. And who knows, maybe Klein was able to sort of finesse something. So that would make it easier for Dutch to take over all the prisons to create a brand new army to fight the lady. Possibly, if Klein got involved in the prison system, if he couldn't, if he had to pay off the warden, he could have done other things with the people in the prison system. Say, another crime boss in G-Wing, or another crime boss somewhere else. Maybe the plan was to get Dutch and them into G-Wing, and now they subverted that by not going, and Klein's plans are a little bit off-skew. But to, uh, to quote Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, chaos is like a ladder. You've got to climb it. Climb the chaos um, to take the throne. Uh, so yeah, that's where we're at with uh, with them in the in the in the uh, in the prison. But let's go ahead and touch on some character touch points with Johnny and Davin. Johnny's obviously getting a little bit of revenge, you know, um, Schadenfreude at <laughs> Davin needing to get his uh, his mental faculties shocked a bit. Do you think Johnny is holding anything with the Dutch marriage against Davin, or do you think it's subconscious? Do you think consciously is, like, doing these things? It's sort of subconscious because Davin was trying to talk to Johnny about it, and Johnny did not want to deal with it or talk about it. And then he tried to bring it up with Dutch, but he's socially inept, so they were talking about two different things. Great, um, great, right? Great, well-written scene, by the way. It, it was, was really, really well done. Because I loved... It was like, um, who's on third, who's on second? Yeah. Um, but I think Johnny, when he was helping Dutch get out, and he picked her up and she said, my soldier, the look on his face was he still has these well, feelings. He, he was, like, sure. holding her, like, <laughs> make-out mode, holding her. so romantic. And he was like, wait a second. <laughs> friend. Friend. The friend zone was strong in that moment. It is, but he's fighting his passion. Do you think that if Johnny tried to jump out of the friend zone, she would accept him or no? I don't think she sees him that way, except when she was brain wiped. But I think there's still some residual memories of the brain wipe, which is sort of messing with her emotions. But she's pushing it down because she's with... Davin and she knew Johnny long before she knew Davin and nothing ever happened between them. I mean she loves him. She just doesn't necessarily sexually love him. I still am hoping for a triple though. A, a what? A triple. Oh no. What? A triple like a threesome? A marriage. A triple. I don't know what a mar a triple is. Tell me. Triple. It's when three people are married. Oh, you mean like super space like, hey, three people can get married together. As they said, um, sister wives, your weird sister wives. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Johnny and uh, well, we touched on Johnny and Dutch, where he has those feelings and the and the lift up. So let's touch on uh, Davin and Dutch and that scene where they're talking about different things. Dutch is really concerned over Johnny because she thinks the majority of his mental faculties are being devoted to thinking about Lucy. And that's obviously not the case because Johnny's moved on from Lucy fairly quickly with his newsy. I mean, he's still sad, obviously, but what are your thoughts? Do you think he's just holding his emotions off because of the situation and they'll come out? Or do you think he's kind of just understanding of the fact that Lucy's gone, but he's got a new Lucy and that can be fine? She's the Lucy point two or Lucy point one or something. And so she's not really gone. She's just not 100% herself, but she can grow into being the Lucy he knows. But he's looking at it as a new relationship. 
It's sort of like you broke up. He broke up with Lucy because she passed away, and now he's dating someone else, and he's okay. He'll kind of compare them, but he isn't going to have a major freak out the way he did before. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something really terrible right now. No. Yeah, I'm gonna compare Lucy to a car, and. It's like that car that you have that you have so many memories in. You've developed that bond with your car. It's got your bumper stickers. It's got, like, everything's where you want it. So that's Lucy. Lucy's the car where everything's where you want it and everything's good. Now, that car just suddenly, like, exploded. Didn't explode, but, you know, the car is gone. But you can go get one that's, like... The same year, the same make, the same model, and Johnny's got that new model, and he's like, he's in that stage where it's all the same, where he's like, this is fine, everything's fine, I have the same model of car, it's all good, but then the things are going to start, like, really rubbing him the wrong way. I think he's put a patch on his feelings with Noosey this episode, and I think very quickly next episode, as prison starts to get to him, it's going to deteriorate and be really bad, and he's really going to start you know, not being emotionally stable based on it. Because Lucy's not Lucy. No, she's not. She's not Lucy. But Lucy is on the line right now. We have Tamsin McDonough on the line right now. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Hey, Tamsin. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, They deleted you last episode. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, it wasn't quite a, a total delete. It was more of a... How do we want to put it? Uh, getting back to basics, maybe? Uh, I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, she was deleted. <laughs> back to square one. Um, back to square one. Do you, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious because this you, you don't want to give a spoiler, but obviously last episode, if we had talked to you, I would have said, do you think we're still going to have Lucy's voice in the season? And now we know for a fact that we have Lucy's voice in the season. Do you think there's any remnants of Lucy left hidden within some microchips somewhere? Well, I can't tell you because I do know. <laughs> oh. I, I, you know, I think they're called, uh, what are they called? Spoiler alerts? <laughs> oh, that's right. They are. You know those things? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. So what was it like reading the script knowing that they were going to delete your entire personality? Well, her personality isn't gone. She's still Lucy. He's just calling her Lucy because she's little and cute and, you know, wanted to give her a different name. Uh, but she's still Lucy. She's still the same character in there. She just doesn't have any memory. Hmm. So the, the personality of the AI was not decided by... Okay, so that that opens up an entire new conversation, guys. And I'm sorry, but I have to do this to you, Tamsin. Welcome to the conversation on the lady is after humanity because she thinks that humanity is tied to your memory banks. And now we are introduced with Lucy, who's an AI who acts human... And now has her memory wiped, and the question now persists, AI and humanity, is what makes you you tied to your memory, as the lady likes to think? Yeah, that's interesting. That's that that's a big long conversation, I think, more than just a you know, a Skype kind of <laughs> Skype thing kind of conversation. <laughs> I mean, we're getting pretty existential here. Well, the show raises the questions. Cherry, do you yeah. do you think that Lucy's do you think that the 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 spirit of Lucy that is still within whatever chip Johnny has, even though wiped, can retain 
Johnny's emotional attachment to Lucy, or do you think there's going to be a, a, a huge disconnect that just won't be the same? I think it'll be the same. I mean, it's like she had a bad car accident and she lost some of her memories. She's still the same person. She just doesn't have her full facilities. And yeah. so Johnny loves Lucy and he'll love Lucy, but in a different way. And she'll bring her own ability and skills as she learns and as she grows into a new person, which is why he's calling her Lucy and not Lucy, because she'll get new memories. So her personality um, will be a little bit different than the one that we've known for the past four years. Okay. I can I like see it. I can yeah. see that happening. I do yeah. the the irony's not lost on me either that we're dealing with a season where all the main characters lose their memory and then gain them back and Lucy has her memory and loses it. Yeah. It's interesting that those clever Killjoys writers they're they're messing with us. So were you surprised when they did that to you? Or did you have an inkling that they were gonna do something radical with you in season for the final season? Yeah, I mean, they, they warned me that something, or not warned, but they let me know that something exciting was coming up and, and uh, we're going to want you back on set. And, you know, um, and they were pretty excited about it. I mean, it's it's a pretty, I, I thought it was a really great idea and I thought that it was done really well. And it was such a beautiful scene. Um, uh, it was it was fun live tweeting with the fans because they were all, I got lots of crying emojis, which are great, you know. <laughs> For an actor, you like crying emojis. <laughs> So I have a weird question. Um, since you are the voice, are you normally on the set when you guys were filming? Or did you um, do the voice like the way a voice actor does? Well, it's it's sort of both. Um, if it's a big heavy-duty scene, uh, I'm, I'm probably hiding under a console somewhere or it, around <laughs> a corner. Um, a lot of times underneath the console in Lucy. Oh. Chatting with John. Yeah. Uh, any of the big heavy duty scenes or I'm, I'm tucked into a corner somewhere where you can't see me and you can't see the little flashlight that I've got on the script and so on. Um, but, you know, most of it and then they do have to redo it because they want it to be, you know, the, the really clear sound so that they then redo it in the studio, in the, the voice studio. Oh. Wait, like legitimately you're under the console? Like that's not a joke? Sometimes, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, I've, I've been tucked under and, and around a corner. And, you know, where the, the ladder is, I've been sort of right tucked around in that corner where it was dark. It, like, it just depends on where they're shooting, what their angle is. And they're like, okay, where can we put Lucy? Uh, let's stick you right in here. You that's, must be limber. Uh, that's rare, yeah. right? Like, that's not that's not a normal way of doing voiceover work on a show. I can't imagine. Like I said, they, they don't actually end up using that voice because it's not the, the proper... It's it's for the actors. No, I, I completely understand that. I'm, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to stop you. I just mean, like, when shows have characters that are 80% voice and not body, do they usually have the, the actress on set delivering the lines like that? I don't think so. I think it's this is a bit more unique in that uh, not only does she come to life sometimes, but she has such a you know, quote unquote, emotional connection to Johnny mostly. So it's the only times I've ever been brought on to set is when it was big scenes with Johnny where they were sort of more emotional scenes and it was really helpful to Aaron and it was good for me to be there. And then, you know, when I did my voices to remember all those, you know, quote unquote, (laughs) AI feelings that I had from that day. So it it makes a big difference in our performances. Do you think more shows should do it that way? I think that if it's if it's this situation, uh, you know, like I look at Dark Matter. Oh, no, she's not only a voice. Um, 
trying to think of another ship. Um, but Knight Rider. I mean, I don't think he needs to be there necessarily because there's not really an emotional connection. I, I saw a couple episodes of that while while uh, uh, researching Lucy. And there's not really an emotional connection between the two. It's, you know, sort of buddy-buddy, and they don't have these big, crazy, not crazy, but big scenes. So I don't think you necessarily need it. I think this was just, uh, you know, this is a different situation. And I think, you know, we've we've got directors and, and producers who are really keen on, you know, helping out the actors and, and really doing a great job. So, you know, kudos to them for, you know, arranging this. So in the chat, me and Ivan Soto both wanted to know, what was it like filming the death scene with Aaron? It must have been very emotional because you guys have been together for like five years now. I know. It was a rough one. Well, especially because as an AI, I can't actually show too much emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So he's crying in front of me and he's just, you know, dumping his heart out. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep. (laughs) So, but it's it's funny, though, because they did, well... uh, they, on one of the takes, I sort of let it go a little bit more, and I thought, ah, they'll never use it. And that's the one they used, is where I kind of let a little bit of my emotion out, like let him affect me more than I should let the AI affect him. And they ended up using that one. And I was um, I was live tweeting with Adam at the time, Adam Barkin, who's the showrunner and writer and so on, and uh, very, very clever, clever, interesting guy. And uh, I said, oh, you used that take. I'm, I'm surprised. He's like, it was just so good. We couldn't not use it. So, yeah, it was it was kind of neat that they let me as an actor kind of spread my wings a little bit. So. Well, I think it's important that they did, though, because they're dealing with – I think sci-fi shows are most – Interesting when they raise the questions of existentialism, as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. Star Trek: The Next Generation did it so well with Data. Um, obviously, Voyager with Seven of Nine and being the Borg. And you know, I feel like if they're not raising the questions of whether or not AIs have emotions or not, then they're not doing their job right. Huh. So yeah. I, I thought it was a smart choice. I thought it was really well done. I uh, loved it. Was is there is there any challenges that you that you face now in this se- season? Because when they obviously you're still in the series uh, at this point, because um, this is episode four and you you were deleted per se last episode in episode three. Are there any- more white? I would say I was white rather than deleted. That was the word I was searching for before. Somebody white. put the uh, the little hairpin in the in the hole that said reset. And, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Are there challenges from taking a character that you've developed for so long and then just completely wiping the slate clean, having the same personality but knowing that you can't be as playful in terms of things that you get? Like, was there any challenges in changing the character in that way? Well, what I ended up doing was imagining myself now sort of, you know, okay, so me, the parallel between myself and Lucy is, you know, she's an adult, let's say. She's an adult ship. And I'm an adult person. So what was I like when I was a little kid? So I didn't have the same friends. I didn't have the same memories. I was very limited in my experiences. So what if I sort of go back and sort of try and think of myself at that time and then parallel that to Lucy so that she's a little kid and she doesn't know John. She doesn't really know much of what's going on. She has her basic processes and she's kind of a bit wide eyed and kind of looking around. She's got this high voice. Um, and just kind of uh, like a little kid. And so I just kind of used that parallel of, of taking myself back 
I took her back as well. Um, and so she's not a she's not a delete. She's just a, a wipe of her current memories back to being a little kid. Cool. I dig it. She's a baby <laughs> ship. She's a baby ship. There we go. So <laughs> we still have to talk about uh, Zeph waking everyone up and Westerly and the lady. Do you want to stay on the line while we discuss the episode with us? Um, sure. Can I ask one question, though? Of course. Yeah. Did you take anything from the set and let me know what oh. it was? <laughs> uh, I took her boots. Really? Hey. Yeah. Score. I asked for the costume, um, but uh, they said they're probably going to do something with it. So it's like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna memory wipe the costume. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They'll do something to it. So, yeah, so but the boots are great. So it's fun yes. to have. So we've talked about the warden, we've talked about Escape from Supermax, and we've talked about kind of the character touch points, uh, just to catch you up, Tamsin. We're on the Stay Woke segment right now, which is basically right on Westerly. Zeph, thankfully, left herself a little video. This was yes. like a total recall moment. Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yeah. hello there, Arnold. Yeah, use this, pull it up your nose. Uh, she sticks it in the back of her head, and we got Zeph back. And Zeph is, like, straight up doing a way better job waking people up than Dutch did, honestly. Very good job. They managed to... She managed to stab Turin in the back, <laughs> literally. Uh, and then they managed to knock out Pri, who apparently just got, like, thrown out into the alleyway after they got captured at the, at the machine factory or whatever, and wake him up. All he's worried about is Garrett. So let's touch on Zeph. So Zeph, uh, still in pain. I'm glad we didn't deal with... Uh, the uh, Pip yes, trauma again. Yes, too traumatic. Uh, the scene was so well done the first time, we didn't have to revisit it. Uh, ju- uh, dealing with Turn waking up, we got his catchphrase <laughs> multiple times. God damn it! God damn it! How did I let this happen? Love Turn. So Turn, I think we're teeing okay. up for a self-blame scenario. And he's probably... Unfortunately, I see Turin going out in a, in a in a blaze of glory this season. Well, I don't know if that'll happen. I could believe that it would happen because he really wants to save everybody. But I have to say, I really like the interplay between Turin and Pre about Pre being the best Killjoy captain and Turin being like, yeah, whatever. The rack agent because <laughs> Pre's Pre's lady life was Turin's life. <laughs> yeah. And Bree had better hair, too. He has... I have to say, I love him with hair. I like him bald, but I like the hair very much. Really? I like bald. Really? And I like him in that uniform. He's like in Mighty Sets in that uniform. hair all over the place. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's just see that beautiful face again. Look, call me a White Snake fan, but I think Pre with the Warlord mane was the best Pre. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was awesome. Okay. Yeah, bleached shaven, but with the mane was so cool. Bleached and maned. Loved it. And so... The, we get a great line from Pre where he says, I don't, I'm not sure who I trust with Gare Bear more, the lady or Cindy. So obviously we're teeing up for a really awkward scene between Pre, Garrett, and Cindy. And I really hope they wake Garrett up before they wake up Cindy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I would love to see the reaction and the banter between him and Pre. They're two phenomenal characters. Pre didn't go with them on the ships, though, it seemed like, because when we get to Westerly and finding the ships, they think it's going to be the prison where they're keeping Dutch and Team Awesome, which, again, we get Team Awesome name drop again this episode like three times, so I think we're going to get that a lot more. (laughs) They find the ships. They want to figure out what they're there for, and Pre's not with them. No. So I'm wondering 
if Pre is on Team Woke right now, where it's just him, himself, and I going out to wake up people, or as they yeah. said, don't wake up anyone because then the lady's going to catch wind of it. Well, he has to keep pretending that he's asleep, so he has to go back to work. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. So Pre's going to be undercover. Do you think he's going to be the one who contacts the warden? Ooh, that's a good idea. I wonder when they come back, he might, because he didn't know where they were. He assumed they were somewhere on the planet, and they were wrong. But if he contacts the warden, then that'll be a clue that something's going on, so I don't think he'll be able to do that. Unless he's able to, like, ask her something that's not obviously awake. Mm. Tamsin, I'm curious... Are, I, I'm assuming at this point that AIs are not really, like, that widespread around the quad. Do you think... I know. I would have thought... I, I thought they might have brought in a couple more here and there, but it's like, all right, well, I'm not happy to be, you know, somewhat uh, exclusive AI here. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if Johnny can take over the, the prison ship with Tamsin's AI, with with the... It's true. It's, it's, good. It's, a, it's a good thought. It's a good thought. Didn't they have an episode where they <laughs> there was didn't have AI. an AI, but they would they kind did. of take over? That guy? They had and they were like, no, uh, we can't. Uh, Julian Doucette voiced him. Yes. The writers, yeah. But you're my favorite AI. And I think Thank you. Julian might be coming on the show later this season, I believe, right? You, I'm that's hoping. Great. It's going to be exciting. So I think that might be that might be a thing if if uh, if Nusi takes over the rack ship and Nusi contacts. I just love the banter between the warden and Tamson. I think that would be probably a Ooh, highlight that would episode. Be very nice. Um, and we can move on to their plan. Their plan is to reverse the polarity or whatever it is in the protein strain. In the chemtrails, Alex Jones here. Chemtrails are real, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna fill the chemtrails with alkaline water and vitamin water. Basically, not really. Uh, I'm not a scientist. That doesn't sound right. Uh, they're gonna fill it with something. Just blow them up. They blow oh. up real good. <laughs> if in doubt, blow them up. Yeah. So when they figured out. Yes. They blow up all the ships. The ladies pissed. So let's move on to the lady. <laughs> Obviously, we learned that she lost 30% of her fleet, which she's very terrified at this point. And I've been wondering all season long why the lady is so busy showing her emotions and showing, like, how scared she is of Dutch and how scared she is of the situation. And we learn. What do you think of the lady having really rampant emotions and having to basically learn how to deal with humanity in the way that humanity had to learn how to deal with the green? Well, I think... We are forgetting that she's never had emotions. And when we were kids going through puberty and our emotions, it was like a tsunami in our body. So I think she's going through a tsunami of emotions that she normally never would have had to deal with. And she's trying to figure out how to manage them while being in our world and not having unlimited, you know, ships and and, and, and little drone people to, like, order about. She's kind of on her own. She doesn't have a hot topic on her ship to... to- <laughs> To yeah, splurge yeah. into Coheed and Cambria and secondhand serenade. She's on her own. And she's trying to do it. And, and she knows that um, she can't really trust Klein, but she still needs him because she still needs to get Jack. And she hasn't been able to get Jack on her own, which is why she's tolerating Klein. And Klein's got the best ideas. 
I don't know why the lady's not as smart as Klein. You'd think, like, we're going up against the super intelligent, like, master of a race millions of years old with access to all the knowledge put into the green. And she can't, like, think of, well, maybe if I use them as bait. <laughs> I think the old lady would have, but the new lady is, isn't, like, 100%. She doesn't have everything. She's a big hormonal mess. Like, she, you know, had to learn all of humanity's emotions in minutes. Which would be horrible. So do you yeah. think that do you think that the limitations of being human are preventing the lady from being as good as she used to be? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that and at any point she could all of a sudden just galvanize and everything, you know, kind of makes sense and she's sorted out and she's settled in and then she could be terrifying. And that's why I think we might actually get her into Jack this season. No not my precious boy Jack. Not my precious <laughs> So, yeah, um, we did have a discussion. We only have a few minutes left, so I do want to ask, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, Tamsin. Uh, We had the question of what do we think of taking uh, a show that's so feminist forward and taking the the strong female villain lead and making, like, her emotions out of whack be her weakness? Do we think that that's that's a choice, or do we think that that's, like, going to play into something greater and make a greater statement later on? Or do you think it's just how it is? It's how I, think it it's, is. I don't think it's necessarily emotions so much as humanity is all of a sudden she's, she's, she is in a human body as opposed to the alien body that, you know, whatever their emotions and their whatever are, I think all of a sudden she's in a human body. And so this is about being human and being human is tricky and it's complicated. And that's what I think is, is I don't think it's a male female. I think it's a human versus alien. Okay. I like that answer. Joe, you agree? And our bodies are so much weaker. She keeps having to jump out of them because they're not able to hold her in. And I wonder if every time she jumps from body to body, she loses something. Or maybe Uh, like, interesting. That is an interesting point. Maybe she like initiates puberty, like like <laughs> symptoms. So she's just constantly and never has time to like even out. Yeah. So it's just like complete chemicals flooding the brain, alien chemicals, green chemicals, uh, Krylex, which is a new drug we're introduced to this episode. <laughs> Tons of chemicals. Yeah. Uh, but that's interesting. I'm excited to see where the series goes. I'm excited to see next week's episode where they are going to be still on the prison ship. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, but I wanted to thank you for coming on, Tams, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, No, Tamsin. thank you for having me. It's always fun to chat with you guys. And hopefully, uh, do you have any other projects coming up? I know Killjoy stopped filming a while back, so you should be trugging along. Yeah, I have, um, I have a movie in Vancouver. Um, that I'm shooting in a month or two for a couple months. So that's pretty exciting. I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. But, um, yeah, as soon as I I can talk about it, I'll let you guys know. It's uh, it's pretty cool. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We would love to promote it here. So uh, that's... Unfortunately, all the time we have for today, we have a cool news news item from Cherry that's about Aaron Ashmore getting cast in two new... uh, Um, We can't go further into it. Was it series or... He is in two shows that were on the list of best sci-fi shows of all time on Ranker, Warehouse 13, and Killjoys, which are among the hundred. What a boss, right? What a, what a dope thing to have. Uh, so that's all the time we have. Thank you. Where can we find you on social media, Cherry? Cherry underscore LA on Instagram and Twitter. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux. And remember, guys, think about it. Comment below. What are they going to do on Westerly if 
Is anyone on the prison subject to a memory wipe? Are there armies that are going to be from other planets interfering with, with Lady 2 once they realize what's going on? And will the emotions of humanity get the better of the Lady? We're going to discuss all of this on next week's episode, but just remember, the resilience of humanity is not caused by our emotions or memories. It's caused by our hope. And we hope you'll be here next week for the after show. See you then. Thank you. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 